My fellow Americans, are you tired of the new normal? Are you tired of the lies? Election fraud. You know the thing that the mainstream media and big tech says doesn't exist? It is time to end it. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. Many of you are sitting here because you're wanting to know what the plan is. This has to be peaceful! We have the right to peacefully assemble! The solution has been in front of us all along. Ask God if you should step into the gap and become a part of the plan. The plan is simple. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. We are the plan. If you're waiting for others to do the work for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. We are Conservative Daily. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday here on Conservative Daily. Hi, Ash. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We have... Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. We have a fun Friday coming up for you tonight. And we're going to, you know, we're going to enjoy ourselves this morning as well. Uh, But... Man, we have so much to talk about, and we have a good friend of ours. He is, in fact, the Mega Mega Raccoon. I haven't yet spoken with him if he is the Mega Mega Raccoon now. I don't know if he's leveled up as, uh, you know, as the rest of the Mega movement seems to have. This is Mega country. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Before we uh, bring Jeff on, I have to, uh, I have to ease everyone's fears. (laughs) (laughs) jesse kelly (laughs) this is so good jesse kelly put out a tweet that read pro tip if your state cannot count every vote on election night there's cheating in your state entire nations count their votes on election day i played the clip of biden mentioning that uh you know it takes a long time and some places are going to start counting the votes after the polls close and we can't we can't expect for uh, all the results to be counted that night we have to be patient and that's how this is supposed to work and that was uh, you know this is so to jesse kelly's tweet i don't know if you want to throw that out um so we counted votes on election night forever until five minutes ago but now all of a sudden it takes time and you're not going to know on election night if you've tr- if you've searched anything having to do with elections in um, Twitter, you get an instantly you get the the thing put up that says, "Listen to why elections experts say that your uh, your elections results may take time to count the votes." Now, what I find really confusing about this, and I'd love for our guest, our mega mega raccoon guest, to weigh on this in on this as well, is the whole reason that we're supposed to use these machines is because it's so efficient. And, fast. you know, f- it's fast and efficient and it allows us to to get through the process. But now they're saying it's going to take longer, you know, days. We, we might not, as uh, that terrible MSNBC host said, uh, we might not have election night. We might not even call it that. We might call it election week because it's going to take us time. Why? Why? Is that time drift? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but go, but the uh, the headline of that is, don't worry, guys. Election 
uh, election fraud is illegal. So we don't have to worry about it. Uh, without any further ado, because I'd love to see what, what Jeff has to say about this. Uh, Jeff O'Donnell, the Mega Mega Raccoon, welcome back. How are you? Uh, hi, it's great, great to be here. Great to see you, uh, you two again. So what do you think? What do you think, Jeff? I, d I hadn't realized election fraud was illegal, so do we not have to worry anymore? Yeah. Uh, where has this news been? Uh, I, 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 why is this only breaking now? Uh, a few days before the election, uh, I call foul uh, that that this information has been kept from us. That uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, I disagree with uh, uh, the article you had a little bit because I, I've narrowed down to there's only cheating in states with vowels in their name. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Ah. Uh, um, so yeah, so so that's oh. a, that's another way of uh, of looking at the things. Look, uh, they're going to try their darndest, and uh, but we've got we've been working on this for two years now. Most of us, some of us, uh, we've exposed their methods. We've let them know that we know their methods, which is extremely important. We've been watching them like a hawk. Are they going to still try to cheat? Absolutely. But we know, uh, like in uh, the, the, the great movie Independence Day, we know how to bring them down now if we just can get together and do it. Uh, you know, we know we just we, we need to we need to get the, the turnout, uh, uh, you know, incredible turnout, which we can do. Uh, we need to vote uh, on Election Day so that the computers, the machines don't uh, don't know how many votes they have to work with. Uh, we're watching them like hawks a lot of places at, the, at these uh, stupid uh, drop boxes for, for balance. We're watching those. Uh, we've got better trained, I think, uh, poll watchers and uh, uh, just in general the whole volunteer class that I think we've ever had before. Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be a red wave. Now, are we like, like in any successful military operation, you always lose a few good people. And I'm sure that when the dust settles, there's going to be a few people that all of us think deserved and, and probably one who are going to end up getting the short end of the stick. But by and large, I am, I am expecting uh, a very good election day as long as uh, everybody remembers what we've learned over the last two years, don't lose our minds at the end of this, this end of this marathon. Uh, just go in every, you know, give give people rides. I suggested, I think, uh, I was trying to tell you know, if uh, people are saying, well, the lines are going to be real long if everybody votes on election day. Well, okay, if you if you you hear the lines are long, your polling place, you know, uh, it's it's illegal to like uh, uh, if you uh, a poll worker or something to give out. Uh, you know, snacks or candy or coffee, but you know what? It isn't illegal, at least as Bring far as own? I know. And most for voters, take a thermos of coffee, take some Snickers bars, take whatever you know. And and if you got to wait in line a while, make it a party because that's what this should be. Because this begins our uh, our retaking uh, of America. Yeah, you know, I had a I had a reporter reach out to me yesterday, and uh, I don't I don't talk to reporters, but. They he asked me his question before I said no comment. And his question was, are there plans in Colorado to overwhelm the polls 
late at the very last minute on election day. And uh, no, um, uh, you know, I don't talk to reporters, but no, we want people to vote on election day. Right. We've we've been saying that we've been saying that since before the 2021 municipal elections. And I think we made a dent in it with November 2021 elections. And that's why this narrative is coming out now that, you know, we're going to try and as if we want to meddle in elections, as if we want to make the voting process harder. That's the narrative that they're painting about people who are advocating for free and fair elections. We want to vote. You know what we said? Um within USCIP prior to the November 2021 elections, what we told and, you know, kind of discussed with all of the the county teams that were out there is there's nothing stopping us from voting the way that we want to vote in person on election day show ID in Colorado. If you show up to the poll and you don't have your mail in ballot with you, I leave mine in the car. um, Then you have to show ID right to get a to get a replacement ballot and so i am for in person on election day showing id i think it should be a holiday but it's going to take us some time to get to what we really want right but there's nothing stopping us from voting in the behavior that we want to be law now right there's choice in the system and so that's what that's where we've been playing with with uh, the messaging is hey if you think that we should vote in person on election day then go vote in person on election day don't use the mail-in ballot just because you have it you don't have to there's there is uh you know if, if you really believe that this is the behavior that we should have as the electorate then model that behavior and use it and that's the message that i've heard that's what certainly what what usceip has has advocated for but now you know hearing this i heard that question and i was just like oh my gosh you're you're really grasping right painting us as trying to overwhelm the polls on the last minute at election day why would we do that that makes no sense well i mean that's that's all that's all brilliant and i mean i've come under fire in the press uh, who finally I guess figured out that uh, I'm here uh, the last few weeks <laughs> um, uh, because apparently our uh, our push to get cast vote records was a secret plan to overwhelm the county offices so they would be unable to. Uh, sorry about that. The so secret plan that was announced on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we would overwhelm them, and they wouldn't be able to handle their uh, their duties for the. Uh, for the for the midterms, uh, so yeah. it's just it's just a broken record uh, over and over. Uh, they and, and you know part part of it is I mean uh, you know I <laughs> uh, these people that we're up against uh, they attribute to us how they would do things. <laughs> you know, right. every everything almost everything they do has uh, an, an, an another motive to it, another level right. of dis- behind it. Uh, they don't understand how uh, some, you know, some people can can actually work uh, towards trying to fix America and not be doing it for a profit motive. Because uh, if it doesn't get them money and power, they don't understand why anybody would do anything. Right. Uh, it is a it is a fundamental schism in how these these two sides, and I, I believe I hate saying two sides, because part of what the uh, uh, you know, the deep state that has done to us is they've fractured us into warring sides. And I don't want to buy into that. But in this particular case, it's the only way to describe what's going on. Hopefully, uh, uh, 
that can be ended at some point and we can actually all get back together. <laughs> well, right. Because uh, but, the two sides, the two sides really aren't that different. Right. When, when we see regard, you know, when, when Trump Trump's first two years in office, he had a Republican Senate and a Republican house and they were gridlocked to get anything done because the globalism, the new world order, the great reset is the goal. It's not just Democrats. It's also not just government. Right. It's it's corporations, it's media, it's academia, it's it's all of our institutions that have lost the public trust because they have not respected or um, or been responsible with the public trust. They've lost the public trust rightfully because they've abused it. Yeah, yeah, they have. I mean, I was looking back at some things that I wrote in 2017. I had a much smaller paw print back then. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, I wrote. In, in 2017, I said both parties need to be destroyed. Uh, they are they are corrupted beyond repair, uh, and need to be replaced with. You know, I, I wouldn't it be something if you went to an election uh, for a president or something, and there were ten viable candidates, not like two that, that one of the two were going to win, and you'd be throwing your vote away. Imagine there were five or S seven or ten viable candidates, and you could actually vote for the one that agreed with you most in, in how you feel. What what I mean, that would be an incredible thing. And I know that's pie in the sky, but uh, uh, you know you, you've got to aim for your goal, and that that would be my goal. You know we we you know we need to root out uh, the the corruption. Uh, you, you can't paper over it. You can't paint over it. It's it's there. Well, what you In said is, uh, it sounds like common sense, but it's also, I think, if we're judging by today's standards, very anti-new normal American. Uh, but I want to I wanna ask you about Brazil before we talk more about the midterms here. Uh, we spoke about this earlier. And there are so many signs and very obvious parallels to what's going on in Brazil right now and what's going on here. Uh, I want to play this just real quickly. It's a short clip um, because I, I I want everyone to understand how important it is, and especially given the machines that Brazil uses. Um, so first of all, I'll get, I'll put up these other ones because I, I want you to talk about the numbers because you're you are that guy and I'm not. But uh, just real quickly, again, Steve Bannon spoke about this back at Lindell's symposium. Uh, and this uh, a Brazilian guy recorded it, and uh, the fervor that we're seeing in the Brazilian people right now, I think, can can be a really positive, uh, you know, thing that we can look to. And I hope that we're going to see some big changes that could uh, influence us as well. But uh, let's just again hear what Ben said about this uh, some time ago. This monumental midterm election, he's going to face his father, Yair Bolsonaro, is going to face the most dangerous leftist in the world, Lula, a criminal, a communist and supported by all the media here in the United States, all the left wing media. This election is the second most important election in the world, right? And the most important elections ever in South America. Bolsonaro will win unless it's stolen by guess what? The machines. The machines. Well, they're trying to, right? Oh. This is a global, look, this is about the globalists. This is about populist nationalist movement that's international in scale against these globalists. And they're going to try to steal every possible election because they don't have the support of the people. They can't win free and fair elections. 
They can't win elections if you go to paper ballots. If you go to paper ballots, we will win every election from now for the next hundred years. And they understand that. That's why this whole system was set up. Boom. How uh, how perfect is that? And, of course, we've seen, uh, you know, this is one of the graphs. There are several numbers. We actually had uh, last week up uh, a breakdown by... Uh, some of the, you know, with timestamps when these ballots were coming in. And it looks like a very obvious flip. Uh, of course, President Biden came in and congratulated, uh, you know, Lula very early on and, in fact, mentioned how happy he was that he won a free, fair, and credible election. Independent. Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, I'll, I'll ask you about that. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little frustrating what's going on because the news is very chaotic. Uh, out of Brazil right now, um, you have some saying that what Bolsonaro is doing is is uh, starting to back off on it. Uh, I, I, you have others who say that that's uh, playing for time. Um, it would be a cataclysmic mistake on the part of uh, Bolsonaro to concede this election. Uh, it would be bad for Brazil. It would be bad for the world. Um, I can tell you a little uh, news here, and, and it's just, I guess, an exclusive to conservative daily. Um, it, it may not come as a complete surprise. I think you all know by now that uh, who, I, who I'm working with, uh, uh, Mr. Montgomery. And it may not surprise some people that he... Uh, um, uh, was on uh, the Brazilian elections like a, a hawk. And I can say, and this comes from him, uh, that you know, he has discovered evidence of approximately 5.1 million votes which were flipped in that election, which clearly changes the outcome by a, by a large margin. And for people, well, Jeff, who aren't involved in election stuff all the time and don't necessarily know, can you talk? Who who is Dennis Montgomery? What's what? Where where does he fit into all of this? Can you just help the audience a little bit? Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. It's how many hours is this show? <laughs> um, uh, uh, Dennis Montgomery uh, is an entrepreneur and one of the smartest <laughs> technical people uh, that I have ever met. Uh, he did consulting for uh, the CIA, Air Force, uh, other three-letter agencies, uh, and he uh, developed what is known as the Hammer, uh, which is a, uh, a, a supercomputer system, which is able to basically get any information from any computer anywhere it wants to. That's the, uh, the bottom line. Uh, and, and this... Uh, he realized at some point that uh, it was, you know, he, this was designed after 9-11 to, to fight our enemies uh, overseas. Over, you know. And uh, when he found out that this uh, was being used to, uh, to do surveillance and collect information from American citizens, uh, he became a whistleblower, was attacked as much as anybody, uh, I think, can be. Uh, however, he does, uh, because of his uh, uh, you know, tremendous uh, <laughs> abilities and what he's done in the past, uh, he was actually able to 
capture uh, 32 gigabytes of, uh, of communication data from around the election, uh, 2020 election, uh, and any and, and some elections since that as well. And basically, this is the the raw packet data of the. Of, and it basically shows intrusions uh, as they happen from you know both domestic and and foreign uh, countries. So uh, he's he's a he's a very smart guy. He he de he developed uh, what our our government uses to uh, well initially protect us by being able to. Uh, you know, get intelligence from, from computers and protect <laughs> us, uh, and then decided to protect us by spying on us ourselves. Uh, so I feel much safer. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, I feel much safer knowing it. Uh, but the point is, uh, he has uh, developed, all, he was the one who developed all of this and has the uh, ability because of that uh, to do very sophisticated analysis of network traffic. And, uh, that's, I think that's all I'm going to say about that. But it, it enabled him. You know, we had talked going up to this the fact that we had to. Uh, we definitely had to look into uh, Brazil, and uh, he was able to capture almost a terabyte of data during the election, a couple of days uh, of the election. And uh, you know, as I said, I, I spoke with him earlier today, and uh, he, he he said that it looks like. I believe he said 5.185 million, about 5,180,000 votes that he has seen evidence of being flipped. So, and what's the uh, margin? Uh, to bring that up, it was it was far less than that. It was it was mm -hmm. actually very very close. Uh, was it on that graph you had just up there a second ago, Apollo? No, it doesn't uh, give exact numbers. I can find the the numbers. I had another. Uh, I seem to remember it being in the hundreds of thousands of votes, the difference. Yeah. And we're talking a flip of millions of votes. And uh, most of those probably occurred in that one district. Uh, I believe he won every district but one, the one that is known for having the most uh, political corruption. Yeah. Uh, it was what? It was, and, uh, it says 1.9 million votes he won by. Okay. All right. So, nevertheless, five, uh, <laughs> five is greater than uh, 1.9. I can do some graphs to show that if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember that on election night in Brazil, they were saying, or maybe it was the next day, uh, 60 million votes turnout. It was the highest, you know, most most elections ever in a Brazilian election, which sounded really similar to, uh, oh, every, to a narrative. Everything that came out of that election uh, from their press uh, sounded like they just copied the uh, New York Times and Washington Post from 2020, and just reused, uh, you know, translated it into Portuguese and uh, and, and and reused it. It was uh, it was quite the thing. So uh, I don't, I can't say I know what's going on uh, down there, but I will say that if I would hope that Bolsonaro has the uh, well, he has to have the courage to see this through and not concede. Um, I think that after the midterms, if he'd like, I bet you there are a few people who have looked at the American elections who'd be more than happy to uh, to help, uh, help help down in Brazil, uh, help out down there. So, uh, you know, you have my number, Bolsonaro. 
This episode of Conservative Daily is brought to you by DCF Guns. They're not just a supporter and a partner of the show. They're an organization that is on the front line of promoting safe and responsible gun ownership. Along with being a staunch defender of the Second Amendment, they have a lot of different things inside of their three ranges and stores. So they have a gunsmith at every location. They have the ability to do massive amounts of training, uh, anything from beginners all the way up to uh, competitive shooting. Um, they're also the best gun store in Colorado. Uh, between a mar- massive arsenal of top-tier firearms, competitive pricing on ammunition, they're a go-to resource for newcomers and expert shooters alike. Memberships there start for as little as $25 a month and offer an arsenal of benefits beyond that, such as store-wide discounts and special access to training. Even better, what you're seeing right now is DCF Guns also has an e-commerce option, meaning you can take advantage of the awesome prices without leaving your home. Just visit dcfguns.co and start browsing. I do want to tell you that as a listener of conservative-daily.com, you get an additional 5% off everything in the store. You have to use discount code Joe. That's J-O-E. That's discount code Joe. Go to dcfguns.co and use discount code Joe. J-O-E. That's me. Or it's coffee, cup of Joe. Um, But you can go there and save an additional 5% off every single thing on the site. Um, As always, we'll keep the range hot and the deals hotter only at DCF Guns in Castle Rock and Colorado Springs and now online available to everyone across the entire country. Um, So, Apollo, I don't know if you want if you have more on Brazil. I have so many questions about the U.S. midterms for Jeff. Yeah, let's jump into it. I just wanted to get uh, his take because, I mean, you know. I, I kind of knew he would agree with us, but uh, <laughs> I just wanted to I wanted it's to let's see what he had to say. It's super, super important. And again, the media here is trying to uh, to brush it off. KJP said in the press conference, no, we haven't spoken to him, but we're really happy to see that he's conceded, which he did not at the time. Uh, you know, they're immediately congratulating him. They're fact-checking, saying that it was a safe and secure election. Interesting that they would do that, uh, you know, in a in a foreign election now youtube is censoring speech about the election uh in brazil everything points to exactly the same thing that's been occurring here for the exact same reasons uh and again what machines do they use here's my fear apollo i i i really fear what kind of pressure uh the biden administration is putting on uh bolsonaro his people uh the, the country in general um you know, our, our country has a long history of meddling in other countries' elections. Uh, that was what was so funny about, you know, after 20 of the whole, well, Russia's meddling in our elections. When I first heard that, I actually laughed because, of course, Russia's meddling in our elections. We meddle in theirs, they meddle in ours, we meddle in all your, nobody ever actually does anything definitive, but we try. It's part of the game of international <laughs> spycraft or whatever you want to call it. But the first, okay, one of the things that they had, uh, that the CIA had Dennis do was uh, affect elections in other countries. And the very first one, in I believe 2004, want to guess what country it was? Ukraine? Brazil. Brazil. And what was funny was when Dennis was looking at the patterns of what was going on, he made the comment and he said, Wow, they didn't even change much up from 2004. 
Sorry, but I mean, you're talking here about, you know, uh, you, you're talking about the horse's mouth. This is indeed the horse's mouth. This is the guy who, who actually got paid to, uh, to meddle in an election and uh, in, in, uh, numerous ones. So I would tend to believe him when he says that he sees the same, what he sees in, uh, uh, in this election uh, is, is mirroring what happened back in uh, 2004 as far as the uh, methods uh, go. So we're, we're talking about Brazil. Can I ask you, did you look at, follow at all the Israel election that just took place? I, I did. Uh, not enough. I, I, wanted, I wanted to look at it more, but I was following the run-up to it. Uh, pretty closely. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting, you know, I covered the the uh, White House press briefings. And uh, KJP, the Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, was asked about the Brazilian elections um, and said, you know, we're very happy to see that Bolsonaro has acknowledged the results and has agreed to follow the Constitution, free and fair elections in Brazil, blah, blah, blah. And then right afterwards, she was asked about the Israel election where they were projecting that Bibi Netanyahu won. And she said, oh, well, it's much too early for us to call anything. We have to make sure that all the votes are counted. We have to watch very carefully. It may be several days, right? Now, you could make the case that their election systems are different, and so it takes a different amount of time to do these things. But it sounds to me like the Biden administration is is real happy to accept the results of elections where their guy wins, right? They don't like Bar Bolsonaro. They uh, definitely want want Lula da Silva back, um, and uh, because he's the, the the favorite of the globalists, right? And we know that they don't like Baby Netanyahu, right? So so you know, caution. It's going to take a few days to win the election to, to to count all the votes. The same stuff we're seeing every time. If you if you look up anything election related on Twitter, you're going to see, see why election, see why election experts say that it takes time to count all the votes. But on something like Brazil, where the people are in the streets, the, the, oh, there's an overwhelming response to this looking as though it is 2020 all over again. Um, Tori says, said on her show, Brazil is having their 2020 moment right now. For that, the election is over. Do not question it. Accept the results. And on YouTube and Twitter, you will be either censored or banned, depending on the platform, uh, if, you, if you question the results. So it's, it, it doesn't appear to me this. So, you know, we think about the law. We think about equal protection. Right. We think about uh, blind justice. Right. She's not blind anymore. She's ripped that blindfold off and she's looking around and picking winners and losers in this country. I mean, she's a socialist shill. I'll say it. Uh, like most of the people in the administration right now. And, uh, of course, that's what we're going to say. Uh, uh, they fear Netanyahu. Uh, it's kind of funny, even within uh, conservatives, there are a lot of people who, like, uh, on, on my on my Telegram channel, I have a lot of people, it's like, no, no, Netanyahu's bad. This is bad news, all this kind of stuff. They don't, yeah. some people just don't get the fact that, you don't have to agree with somebody a hundred percent to support them. Right. And, 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 and frankly, someone does not have to agree with you a hundred percent to still be acting in your best interest. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's complicated. There, there's this little pervasive, 
one of the go-tos of the left when they're attacking the right is they try to make us out to be anti-Semites. That's the that's that's the playbook. Uh, uh, I've been on I've been on uh, uh, sites that uh, the chat sites and, and comment sites that were destroyed because when they got too too close to uh, making good points for conservatives, all of a sudden you would have infiltrators come in posting anti-Semitic post after anti-Semitic post, just flooding it with there, so that anybody who wanted to check this place out would go and think, oh. This is just a bunch of, uh, of, of uh, anti-Semites here. Okay, you know, these are a bunch of Nazis because, you know, that's, that's what they want to make the case of us being. Uh, when, when actually, you know, the left projects from the time they get up in the morning to the time they uh, go to bed at night. Uh, right. They're better, yeah. I, I mean, it's like, it's like the schoolyard, uh, you know. Uh, who, whoever makes that claim first wins. <laughs> you know, whether it's a lie or not. You know, uh, it, and and you know we we are not good at uh, uh, we're not very good at the personal attack uh, uh, ways. Just it's something we conservatives aren't. You know what? I'm very happy about that. Actually. Agreed. Yeah, I I yeah. am as well. And I I so I I totally know what you're talking about in terms of it's a big pro- it's a big problem on telegram i think that there are channels that have uh seemingly embraced hate right and and it's yeah. not it's not just anti-semitism but i also agree with you that those uh the, those turns that those channels make do seem to be when the channel reaches a certain threshold when people start to hear and 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 react to and share the truth then you see you know these comments that uh that that weren't a part of the dialogue before come in. But I do think that there is a, um, and I've noticed this since the since the 2020 election, maybe even a little bit before, there does seem to be a um, an embracing on the right of the identity politics in a way that I don't think is helpful and I don't think is healthy uh, in terms of using, using their playbook but on the inverse. That's what they want us to do right and and the real fight here is not between left and right i've been saying this since 2011 when i left the republican party because it was obvious that they were you know working with the democrat party against the tea party at the time right it was obvious that the republican party does not stand with its people this was 2011 obvious to me that 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 i have feedback apollo yeah it's coming from jeff i'm gonna fix it okay um that 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 was obvious that the battle is not between you know me individual conservative and you individual liberal or leftist they want us to believe that right um you know when when we started putting race on our uh, you know, driver's license applications on things. When that started being a piece of data that was collected, it was meant for the state to be able to identify you, right? You look at my driver's license, brownish blonde hair, brown eyes, five, six, right? Like you have the, the uh, immutable characteristics that allow the state to identify you. At some point, it switched, and it switched because of the state. They've been pushing this narrative on both sides that it's not so the state can identify you. It's how you identify yourself and how you can project that to the world. And I think that's very dangerous because it it, it puts the state in a level of power. You're looking at me and saying, oh, you're white 
and blonde with brown eyes. That way, if you know you get pulled over, and if I get pulled over, and uh, you know my ID doesn't have those characteristics, but have different characteristics, the policeman would know. Hey, maybe this isn't Ash, right? But now it's well, you know. I I read. I think um, Apollo. I don't know if we have this, but there is a thing about how um, voter ID disproportionately affects trans, trans people. people. Because they they because of the gender label, it is not about your self identity. It is so you can be identified by the system, right? But we've put the system now in this position of God over society, and you know, it, it's it, it's just it's gotten so far. So to me, when we're talking about left and right, and you said this earlier on, Jeff. It's it's so frustrating to consistently have to go back to, you know, well, if the Democrats do or if the Republicans do or, you know, left leaning people or right leaning people, because I don't be I personally don't believe in that. I don't believe that we're as far apart as we are. I don't think that the spectrum of left to right is what it, they say it is. Right. They, they say like it's, you know, communist to fascist and Americans are in the middle is what we've all been told. That's not true. Right. Really, the spectrum is more liberty versus authoritarian. And both parties are way over on the authoritarian side. And remember, we do have an excellent sponsor of the show, and that is Air Medicare Network. So today's podcast is, again, sponsored by Air Medicare Network. And if you live in a rural area that's hard to reach by road or if you like to hike or spend a lot of time outdoors or do, uh, you know, dangerous things like some of us like to do that may require some emergency medical attention, we all want to make sure that our family is protected in a medical emergency uh, and health insurance will not always cover the cost of an emergency medical flight if, in fact, you do need one. But with Air MedCare Network, you are covered. For as little as $85 a year, not only you but your entire household will be covered in case you ever need air medical transport. Uh, this is a super, super good deal, very low cost, and it's insurance that if you need it, you do want to make sure that you have it. I know people personally who have had to cover those costs, and believe me, they are very expensive. So simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash daily and use promo code daily. Receive up to a $50 Visa gift card back when you sign up today. That's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily, and promo code is daily. Go check them out. So this this constant, you know, battle between left and right, between D and R, between blue and blue and red is um, to me, it's a psychological operation. And I find it uh, I'm really hoping that more people are waking up to it because it's been going this has been going on for so long. And, you know, everybody has a lot to say about their own party until you get close to the election. And then it's what well, we all have to unite because you'll split the vote. What do you make, Jeff, of the. Uh, the split the votism that we're seeing now. It's it's dangerous and it's just a continue. You, know, you can look back over the last you know few decades, like you said, you saw it back in 2011. Uh, I was I, I had a blind spot that did not get lifted till about 2017, and uh, because you know I was a college Republican start i cast my first presidential vote for uh for ronald reagan in 1980 uh, and i got and i got that blind spot uh, i got the blind spot of uh, republican almost all republicans are good and almost all democrats are okay. bad at least at least on the leadership level, not, not the leadership 
and it took till I kind of got woken up in 2017, and it was a real blast-shattering moment. Suddenly, I realized that uh, I had been taken in by, by George Bush. I had been taken in by a, a number of, of, of people uh, because I, I was not thinking critically as I should have been about it. Uh, and, and that was, that's what led to, like I said, I made that, that comment that, you know, really both, both parties are irreparably damaged uh, at the leadership level. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about people, uh, I mean, it, it, the, it, the people who we have either elected or have been selected as our, as our leaders, uh, very few of them have our best interests really at heart. Um, you know, but uh by 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 making that that um, paradigm they have forced us into those camps right now you know in in, in my dealings with uh, uh, with, with I, I would say the radical liberal uh, portion of, of, of America right now you know it is my firm belief that that uh, you know, conservatives, ac activated conservatives, I'll use that term. Activated conservatives are conservative because, in general, they love America and they want to have an America that's better for all. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I think it's very simple. I think it's very, very simple what right. people want. But then the people I run to on the left uh, are liberals because they hate conservatives. <laughs> Sometimes that's that. Often that's that's just it. They've been trained and uh, you know conditioned to hate what we stand for. And so if you look at it that way, you have love versus hate. You have the oldest, the oldest conflict in human history, one that's been around since the beginning. Hate, you know, hate for hate versus love. I'm not saying I'm painting everybody with the same brush here. We've been talking about not doing that. But if you, if, if you look at the, the, the loudest voices, that's what you see. And well, I, uh, Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. No, I totally agree. And I actually, so I want to, I want to play a few things that, that illustrate that. Can I just say before you play something, can I yeah. just say, make one point? It goes both ways. Right. I mm -hmm. think that Republicans largely are conditioned as well to see on the other side, the individuals, not all again, not painting people with a broad brush, but we're so divided right now. And I think that the reaction of the establishment to the election of Donald Trump and what they did to this country during the time I said early on in the first impeachment sham, they knew they would get caught and they decided to put the country through this anyway because they ripped our country apart during that time, during his, so now we're in these two camps and it really is like you're looking at good, people People are conditioned to believe that they're looking at good and evil, right? If you're on my side, you're good. If you're on that side, you're evil. But I think that the right has a problem as well in terms of conservatives. They've been, the, the, the left has been conditioned to look at conservatives as conserving the patriarchy. Right. Conserving the, the racial inequity in this country. You want to go back to slavery. Right. That's the that's the kind of the 1619 Project garbage. That's the kind of, um, you know, that's not that's not being brought up in a household. That is a entire media establishment 
academic establishment, government establishment that is pushing one revisionist view of how we got to the point where we are in the United States of America. And to me, that is um, damn near criminal. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. If I can make one comment about that, I, I, I agree with you. But the complication of that, and if you look at the leadership of the politicians, the loudest voices, right? the complication here is that they're trying to use this to push us into socialism and communism, and that is a red line that we cannot allow to cross under any circumstances. So, you know, we're talking about here is that, you know, that, that uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not a black or white situation. That, to me, is. And that's one of the few that <laughs> I would say is a, is a black and white situation. So you, you don't and, think that we've crossed that line? Not, well, not, not yet. Not yet. I mean, I mean, some of our institutions, some of our government institutions are operating as if they were uh, almost as if they were socialism. We certainly have aspects of socialism. But I think you know that we could go so much farther in that direction. We still enjoy a lot of personal freedoms that your average person in a, in a truly socialist country does not have. And uh, most of what was ripped from us by now was done while we were sleeping. Yeah. But we're not sleeping anymore. So now it's on us. We can't say, "Ah, oh, you tricked us! Ah, oh, you fooled us! We were looking the wrong. We were looking the other way, and you did it." No, now we're looking this way, and yeah. if we let it happen now, it's as much on us as it is on them because we'll have let it happen. Right. So the only last thing, and then I promise, Paul, I'll stop so you can pay. <laughs> you can move on with what you want. But what I, my reaction to that, I, I look at the energy industry. Right. So what is what is communism? It's the government controls the means of production. The government might not own all of the equipment, but they definitely control whether or not America is producing energy, right? We saw what can happen with the stroke of a pen, with what happened with the executive orders for the Keystone Pipeline first day in office. And energy drives the entire economy. It drives the entire supply chain. So to me, I'm, I'm less optimistic that there's a red line that we have to cross. I think that we've already crossed it, but we need you know, we've, we've got to, we've got to move back in the other direction. I, you know, they always say you can vote your way into socialism and communism, but you have to shoot your way out. And, you know, I, I hope we're not there, but I, I really, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic on the government officials. And again, you know, I write a letter to Congress every day, so I'm pretty down on them in general. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't think they're going to correct themselves. I don't think that they realize that they're outside, they're coloring outside the lines of the U.S. Constitution. I think that they're perfectly happy using public-private partnerships to get their way around the Constitution and uh, subjugate the American people. I don't, dis I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just more, I've not yet lost my faith in the American people. Oh, no, and neither have I. Neither you know, have I. That's not uh, the point I was making. As long as I have my faith in the American people, I still have the faith that the people will. I'll use the term rise up. I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the, 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 the traditional, you know, rise up and oppose uh, what is going on. And that's, that's really what, 
Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a, one of the reasons I've been doing what I'm doing is try to educate, try to get you know every single person who we can uh, you know to use the cliche wake up and suddenly look and see where you know on that map that little red dot says you are here. Uh, if if you every person that we can look and suddenly see that map and it's like holy cow we have crossed over that that hazy line into near socialism. Uh, every person that we can get there is uh, is is a huge win. So uh, yeah, very good. All right, Apollo. Well, so first of all, just because I want to connect, because if you listen to Biden's speech uh, from yesterday, he does all the things that we were just talking about. Uh, and also, I want to thank, uh, I guess that's, is that vegetarian cons, vegan cons? Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure what that's supposed to uh, to stand for, but so should GOP candidates claim victory as soon as polls close? No, because we're not them. And we don't need to. We just want the actual votes to be counted. And we know that they're going to cheat anyways. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we need we need all eyes on. Just pay attention. And when we see some uh, some garbage, we <laughs> need to call it out. It's pretty simple. But here is uh, you, we mentioned this trans clip earlier. Uh, so this is this is the, the kind of stuff that we're talking about when we say, uh, you know, they all they can do is divide us and create this hate because that is the only way it's the divide and conquer uh, idea. This is NBC talking about exactly that. Good to see you. And as Gen Z gears up to hit the polls, transgender voters are concerned they might be blocked from casting their ballots. Yeah, that's because a growing number of states are enforcing stricter voter identification laws that disproportionately impact the community. NBC Out reporter Joe Yerkeba joins us now with more on this. Joe, good morning to you. So first of all, how can voter ID laws create obstacles for transgender people? And where do we see some of the strictest voter ID laws? Sure, yeah. So voter ID laws disproportionately impact trans people because trans people are more likely to have IDs without the name uh, that they go by and the gender marker that reflects how they present. And recent research shows that just over 200,000 eligible trans voters in uh, 31 states that both conduct their elections mostly in person and require or request ID at the polls don't have IDs that reflect their gender identities and the names they go by. Um, and, you know, the states that have the strictest voter ID laws are are mostly concentrated in the South and Midwest. So you're, you know, Tennessee, Wisconsin, Kansas. So voters there are going to be most. So, I mean, first of all, I'm sorry, bullshit. Uh, like you show up and the, the only way that this would actually have an impact is if you're showing up and you're saying, well, yeah, that's me, but it's not me. I mean, yeah, come on. That, that's nonsense. That's just ridiculous. And then if you are showing up and if you're truly so good that they just can't recognize you and they think you're a different person because you're dressed up like a, you know, like the other gender. And you probably, if you do show up to vote like that, we already know because you probably have 17 pride flags on you. But like, no one cares. I, I really cannot imagine that is happening ever. That well, is absolute fear mongering and division that they're creating just to, again, try to uh, demonize anyone who doesn't support this agenda and conservatives well, who they see as the enemies of this, uh, this you know, created demographic so the one thing that i want to focus on here and this is not um total population this is not voting population this is total population 13 plus um according to the williams institute ucla school of law williams institute 1.6 million people above the age of 13 identify as transgender in the united states that so the, let's let's assume for a second that it's true that voter ID laws disproportionately affect trans people. 
1.6 million. And again, this is 13 plus, so it's not voters. So we're we're being we're we're being generous here with the numbers, right? That's less than half of one percent of the U.S. population. So. What the argument is, as I hear it, and please correct me if you guys think that I'm wrong, the argument that I'm hearing is we need to get rid of voter ID, make our elections less secure for all 350 million, 330 million, whatever it is, Americans. We need to take away this to accommodate less than half of 1% of the country. That's not a real argument. That's not a, that's not a data-backed discussion that would fly in any other industry, in any other topic in the world. But here, because it might hurt somebody's feelings, right? Because, and, and I, and I don't want to eject trans people from society, right? I think that they should be able to vote. I think that the ID issue is something that needs to be solved. But we do not recreate or, or um, make more vulnerable our total election process for the greatest nation in the history of Earth. The size of the prize of U.S. elections is massive. We don't decide that because it would hurt less than half of a percent of the population's feelings to be able to, you know, to, to have to be a little bit more uncomfortable when they vote or to have to do something a little bit of a different way when they go to vote. We're not going to make our, our entire elections more vulnerable and less secure to accommodate that. But that's the argument that they're making. And it's the feelings, notions, and instincts argument that the left always makes. This makes me feel bad, so we can't do it. You have to make a law against it because it makes me feel bad. And that is, that is, I think, what the American people, more than anything else, have to reject is this, you know, well, if, if, if somebody's feelings are hurt, the government needs to get involved, and it's an offense that needs to have a punishment. Yeah, the, the whole thing is, is, go ahead, Jeff. The whole, but the whole thing is based on oh. feelings. Yeah, go ahead. And then I want to go through some more stuff. Uh, I, I want to uh, sound the uh, hypocrite alarm here. Um, I ran some, some, some numbers just now. Um, if, if that 1.6 million is accurate, which I don't think it is, but if, let's say it is, and let's say all 1.6 million vote. Um, I ran these rough numbers, so please don't hang me if I'm off by a couple, but this is going to be pretty close. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they took her off the screen right away. <laughs> Gotta get that out of there. Yeah, yeah, it's like, danger, uh. Uh, by my estimates here, that's um, if you take that over the whole country, just kind of as a as a, that, that you're talking less than less than ten or twenty voters per precinct, uh, maybe less than four or five hundred county. Okay. So they want substantive uh, control of our laws, you know, either change of our voting ID laws or you know, standing in the way. For that number of people now, I believe everyone, every every legal American, uh, should be allowed to vote. Hasn't had their voting privileges taken away, but I, I, I really want. Them. So, what happens uh, when we do get these people to do a recount in a certain place? Uh, what 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 happens whenever the uh, there are 50 or 100 votes off when they do the recount. What do they say? Well, that doesn't, uh, that's not enough to change the election. Right. So it's no big deal. 
So what they're saying is that they don't. Whenever it's whenever it's actually looking at election integrity, those votes and by extension those voters do not count. Their votes are being taken away. However, for about that same number, if you say it's that same number of of people here who, right, specious argument could possibly have problems voting because they don't, you know, haven't been consistent about how they identify, uh, well, that's a very serious problem and we need to uh, take quick action for it. You, you can't have it both ways. Uh, either somebody's vote is sacred or it isn't. Right. And, uh, you know, to me, a, a, a recount, I, I've personally, maybe somebody has, I've personally never seen report of, of any time they did hand recount a precinct when there was been a really close race for that. I don't recall ever seeing one where they had exactly matched up. Right. Uh, it was. It's always off by some, and uh, that's not acceptable. No, no, no variance is acceptable because that means you have you have disenfranchised people. You have either either disenfranchised them because their vote wasn't counted, or you have diluted their vote, which is the same thing by by having you know votes that shouldn't be there uh, being as part of it. So they can't have it both ways. Uh, suddenly, it's very. I mean, we've we've done that. I I, I talked to a, a somebody in a in a precinct recently, very tiny little town out west, and um, they were excited because ten years ago or so, the, the place where they have their polling place there, they made them put a ramp in. ADA, okay, gotta be on. Well, after ten years, they finally had a handicap. They could use the ramp. They were very excited about it. So they went in and went to the cost that that that's helping one voter 10 years later. And I'm not against that. I think it's, you know, those are there for a reason. But the point is we will go out of our way uh, to ensure that, that people can vote uh, unless we're actually counting the votes. Right. In well, which case, you know, yeah. Well, you know, and I think we've... Yeah, sure. But we've gone uh, we've gone out of our way, and you know about you talk about the the LGBTQ uh, movement, whatever, and they want to continue to demonize them. Americans, on average, have already gone out of their way. We have already, you know, been very tolerant. They claim that they're getting persecuted everywhere. How much further can we go out of their way to our own detriment, and also to uh, you know the detriment of our children? I mean, we're we're literally allowing them. I mean, there's not massive violence against all these people who are, uh, you know, stripping in front of children. They have everything. It, it's pervasive in schools. It's pervasive in society. They have their parades where they're walking around in front of minors with uh, no clothes on, waving sex toys, doing all these things. They have a month. They get to have their pride flags up at schools where, like the one instance that I showed uh, a couple of days ago of uh, the school coming to seize uh, a couple of American flags while they have trans flags flying at uh, Trinity College. Like, we're not going out of our way to persecute these people or to, you know, to, to have a double standard. We're the ones who get, who get persecuted. We're the ones who have to suffer from the double standard. They, for, you know, by and large, have been able to essentially run as they wish. 
uh, through our society, and we don't we don't come out strongly until they start touching our kids. We haven't done anything. We haven't come out as a hateful group or saying you people need to go away. You need to go hide in your basements like Biden does because you know we just can't tolerate your behavior. We don't do that. No, no one actually cares about that. Uh, but they 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 still want to run this narrative. Uh, so it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous to me. And now them them trying to roll it into the voting conversation is just disgraceful uh, at that point. Again, we don't care. Like, trans people, please vote. If, if we need something to do that, absolutely. We don't hate disabled people because we recognize that John Fetterman is completely unfit to serve in, in Congress. It, it's just a, a disgusting argument. There's um, not even a debate. There shouldn't no. even be a debate about that. No. Right? The only reason that John Fetterman is still on the ticket is because it was too late to replace him. And the Democrats think so little of the people of Pennsylvania that they are going to run somebody who is absolutely incapable of putting a sentence together. Right. They say, oh, it's just an auditory processing. What does that mean? Well, it means that what he hears, he struggles to process. Right. I'm sorry. Is debating and speaking not important in the U.S. Senate? It absolutely is. Is there a number? Is there is there a uh, requirement to be able to 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 process information that you're taking in often taking in information from multiple people at once? If you're in the U.S. Senate, absolutely there is. He is incapable of doing the job. I feel very, very badly for him. I think it's wrong that they still have him on the ticket. I think it's wrong that they're putting him out in in that debate. I, I applaud him for showing up and debating because people like Katie Hobbs won't, right? And John Fetterman actually stood in the arena and did it. And I think for what he's been through, you know, he did he did a pretty good job. But that's the best that you're going to get out of John Fetterman. And the people of, Repre uh, of uh, Pennsylvania deserve better representation than the US in the U.S. Senate than that. That, to me, is egregious that they wouldn't re replace him as the candidate. And, you know, I know that they can't, and that's why they're still running him. I think that's really, really despicable. That's it for part one of this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. Part two is coming up next, and you don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. God bless America.